Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Spectrum of Health podcast. I'm Dr. Christine Schaffner, and I wanted to introduce to you a series I did earlier this year called the Luminary Talks. I invited my colleagues, my mentors, and my friends to give us lectures and inspirational information during this very paradigm-shifting time, which where I feel there's a huge opportunity to reframe how we look at medicine and illness and empower each other today. So I hope that you take this journey and learn from these inspired luminaries and enjoy this series. Hi everyone, um, can you hear me okay? Um, just a little sound check. Ginger, can you hear me okay? I can indeed. Great, I can hear you. Well, we both washed our hair. <laughs> <laughs> and I promise I'm not wearing sweats from the waist yeah, down. <laughs> I, know, I know, I've seen a few um, fun pictures of, you know, people doing recordings in their sweats, but yeah, yeah. half of them are all dressed up. The loungewear industry has gone oh. through the roof. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And I'm so excited uh, to do this webinar with Dr. Ginger Nash. Um, she's a dear friend and colleague, and we have been talking about collaborating for a number of years. I actually knew Dr. Ginger from um, when I was a student. I used to listen to her recordings. She used to um, speak for Soroyal, and she inspired me so much and really tapped into my passion for drainage and looking at the body in this whole other way um, rooted in naturopathic medicine. So it was really fun to actually get to know her as a friend. And yeah. we've been collaborating because Ginger actually is on the East Coast. So she's in, you know, the front lines of Lyme disease and her practice has really evolved to not only do all of her wonderful work with drainage and women's health, but also with Lyme disease. And we had been talking about collaborating with a class that we're still uh, working on called Women in Lyme. And given the current circumstances of the world, we decided to just really jump in and connect with everyone and, you know, share our thoughts and create a dialogue together on this concept of, you know, we have a lot of female patients. We have a lot of female patients with Lyme. And now we have our female patients in the world of COVID. And what does that mean for all of us? So, so that was our intention. And we have a, you know, format that we're going to go over today, but I just wanted to introduce uh, Dr. Nash to everybody. And I um, wanted to give you the platform, Ginger, to share a little bit about who you are, what you're up to, and before we dive in. Yeah, great. Thank you, Christine. It's a pleasure to be doing this with you and to be sharing this valuable information in the wake of this crisis. I think it's important more now than ever that people embrace the tenets of naturopathic medicine, and, and I'm just really eager to, to jump in. Um, a little bit about myself, I won't bore you too much, but I am a naturopathic doctor, of course, and I went to school out in Portland, Oregon, graduated from NCNM, it's now NUNM in Portland, Oregon in 98, so I've been in practice in Connecticut for 21 years, which is kind of mind-blowing, it's gone really fast, and, um, you know, never a dull moment, right? I mean, Christine had said this thing to me a couple of years ago that, has always stuck with me um, because I know we both work with a lot of people with complex chronic disease. And it's like some days we feel like we could spend all day just learning about one patient and the complexities and especially for women. So that's become a passion of mine is to really 
dive into women's health and the way women are different in terms of their health challenges, et cetera. And as Christine mentioned, I am also at the epicenter of Lyme disease. And, you know, that's become kind of a catch-all phrase for a lot of different processes that are going on in the body. And we'll definitely jump more into that today. And I'm sure all of you that are fans of Dr. Schaffner and on her her list and in her world know a lot about the complexities of that. So yeah, it was just a perfect time for us to come together and immediately start to share some information about the complexities of this phenomenon that we're experiencing now, which is this new virus, which is here. Mm -hmm. So it's not going away. And, you know, thankfully, all of the patients that I've been working with um, have been mild cases, but as we now know, they're calling double pneumonia mild now. So um, for some people, it can be um, quite significant of an illness, even if, um, you know, you're not put into the hospital or need a ventilator, et cetera. So Um, In the wake of this crisis, I've learned even more about the immune system and some of the things that we can do. So I think uh, Christine's going to go over a little bit of a recap of the kinds of things we've been doing in the wake and just this past month, you know? (laughs) So, so yeah, jump in. Absolutely. So um, Ginger and I thought it would be fun to discuss a few topics today. So one of the things that I want to share is the role of bile um, in our health and how that really not only um, applies to women with Lyme. And Ginger already mentioned this. We we say Lyme. Um, and when I use that word, it's a, it's a broad term, but I think it's still a useful um, language to use when we see this world of complex chronic illness that we think it, or it's a modern epidemic of chronic illness that um, has more than just Lyme and, or you know, Borrelia. It's not only these stealth pathogens, but it's a consequence of the environmental burden that we're all up against. And of course, that's multifaceted and that's a big part of the, the work we wanna continue to share. And you know, as we jump in, I just wanna mention to my patients who have had Lyme in the wake of this crisis, some of them have made the comments, you know, our patients are already the canaries, right? They're already the people who are going to be the most affected by all of the things that we continue to educate people about. And some some of my um, women patients have already confided in me. And, um, and of course, we're all you know, shocked and really, you know, this is affecting us on all, this is just an unprecedented time, right? But they're saying like, you know, for once people might have a window into my world, you know, I have to, you know, be mindful of my health on such a profound level and my environment and, you know, for everybody to be thinking about their health, there's just some sense of, wow, like maybe the world will get what I'm going through right now. So I, I've I heard that's that so funny. Yeah. I've heard similar things like from a number of patients, like, you know, I'm managing kind of fine because it's like, this is my my normal, like I go through this all the time. And in some ways, like the societal level, people understand now, not just what you've been going through, but like not, you know, not being able to eat a certain diet, not being able to go do certain events, et cetera, et cetera, not being able to have as much energy or stamina, et cetera. So I've heard similar things. And I'm sure a lot of your patients too have been kind of preparing like in this way for taking care of their health in this way for a long time. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah great absolutely. Point. So that's a, you know, a theme we're seeing in our patients. And um, so we thought what we could do today is talk about 
um, the role of bile, not only in the health of the female Lyme patient in the wake of COVID and why that's actually a very important um, um, part of our body that we want to um, have be resilient right now to protect us. Um, and then we're also going to talk about the lymphatic system. This is one of Ginger and my mutual passions. Um, mm -hmm. You know, she's been at this um, a longer than I have, but the lymphatic system seems to be uh, still one of the most overlooked systems in the body and still such a fundamental piece of recovering someone's health, especially with Lyme. And then in the wake of, you know, supporting resilience in our immune system in the wake of COVID, it's a really important thing to, um, you know, just talk about today. And then the other things that we want to talk about is the role of stress, right? So how is stress impacting all of us right now, and especially um, women? and how we know, um, you know, our mindset has a huge impact on our physical health and creating more resilience in our immune system. Um, Ginger's also going to talk about, she's died, she used to um, work, and I'm sure you're going to share this too with Dr. Diadamo, um, and she's done so much work with genetics and, you know, looking at the immune system and just with her passion, looking at the difference between the male um, and the female immune system and bringing that into the conversation. And then we want this to also be a dialogue toward, this, toward the end. We'll offer solutions from our perspective, but we will welcome feedback too if um, anyone wants to share how we can all navigate this together. Because I think even though we're all you know, in our own home, in our own individual worlds right now, I think there's such a need more than ever to come together collectively to really um, you know, create um, together what is our new reality in the wake of, um, you know, this really, this pandemic. So um, that's what we have in store for you. Did I miss anything, Ginger? Did I cover no, I think you? I think you've covered it, the okay. intro quite nicely, the outline quite nicely. So yeah, let's talk about bile. Yeah, so, <laughs> right? So, and I think you've heard me say, of course, a couple times now, the role of resilience. So I, when I, I come back to, you know, just themes and the things that my patients have taught me over the last decade, it's really that what we're striving for is that health is resilience, right? So we're never gonna live in a perfect environment free from infections and toxicity, but how can we create a resilient physical body and also energetic, mental, intuitive and spiritual body um, in the wake of just you know being on the planet. So resilience is a really important thing to me that I'm always reflecting on. And then when I another concept that I am always reflecting on is th this concept of flow in the body. Mm -hmm. And that's where we're gonna be talking about bioflow and lymphatic flow. And really um, disease happens in a system that is stagnant, right? So when there's stagnation in the body, that that's when things break down. And so bile, I cannot not talk about bile. Um, most of my patients, um, many of you know, I do ART, which is autonomic response testing. And um, even beyond lab work, I find that most of my patients have a sluggish gallbladder and really a liver gallbladder system. And bile is such an important part of our health because it's not only a part of our digestion, but it's also an elimination route. And so we need bile to basically be flowing properly um, for many functions. And I, I have, um, I've done a couple talks on this. And so I, um, 
I have a few notes in front of me around the importance of bile. And I, I want to give um, credit to, I've learned a lot from Dr. Chris Shade and Dr. Kelly Holderman. Um, they both um, have done extensive work in looking at um, what we call, um, when we think about detoxification, we have three phases, phase one, phase two, and phase three. Um, very oversimplified. Phase one is when we take a toxicant and we activate it. Phase two is when we conjugate it. And phase three is when we eliminate it. And so the elimination pathway, part of that is bile. Um, and bile basically gets secreted into the intestines and gets eliminated through the stool. And Kelly Holderman, her work talks about this phase 2.5 detoxification, which I'll talk about in a moment, but that's a step where a lot of my patients uh, get hung up with. But why are we talking about bile? Um, bile, of course, um, just some um, you know overview. It helps um, for fatty acid metabolism. It helps with uh, gut motility. So a lot of constipated patients will have sluggish uh, bile flow. It helps with thyroid hormone activation. That was something I learned from um, Dr. Yeah. Kelly Waterman. So it helps to convert T4 and T3. So a lot of women with Hashimoto's or hypothyroidism, um, it's not only looking at the thyroid and the endocrine system, but looking at getting the bile um, to flow. And then, um, you know, some other pearls and why I wanted to talk about this in the relationship of the COVID crisis is that um, we actually know that bile is part of what makes up our lung surfactant. And so surfactants are um, basically um, the alveoli where we exchange oxygen. Surfactant is a kind of a protective layer that allows us to inhale oxygen by keeping external toxicants and pathogens away. So we want healthy surfactant levels in our lung um, to as a um, as a preventative. And so I, you know, a lot of light bulbs were um, going off. Dr. Klinghart has been talking about dandelion as a um, antiviral um, in this time of COVID. And we know dandelion is actually a bitter herb um, in that it helps bioflow, but it also helps um, our lungs because if we have healthy bioflow, surfactant is actually made up of um, phospholipids and cholesterol and bile. And so it's all interconnected. So I just, the body's so wise, right? So I just thought that was a really fascinating connection that I wanted to reiterate. And so you know, just going through the lens of a female patient, we know that um, women are more prone to gallstones. So I think it's about two to three times higher risk of gallstones. And so why is that? So estrogen, um, we know it increases uh, biliary cholesterol. So part of what may, um, part of um, what is made up, what bile is made up of is cholesterol. And so if we're increasing, if estrogen is increasing that cholesterol, there's more prone to basically create a sticky, sludgy, um, gallbladder environment where we're more prone to stones. And so we know um, when women are pregnant, they can get something called intrahepatic cholestasis, which is this backup of bile that affects the hepatocytes. And then people get extremely itchy because the bile gets thrown into the blood. Um, and then also hormone replacement or oral contraceptives can mm -hmm. make people more prone to that. So women um, with Lyme, because of not only being a female and having um, estrogen estrogen as a primary hormone, we're going to be a little bit more prone to sluggish bile, but a lot of our female patients are estrogen dominant, right? And they're estrogen dominant for a lot of different reasons. But how I oversimplify this a lot of times is that, you know, female patients with Lyme have to deal with not only just regular metabolism, right? But we're also um, worried and, or not worried, we, we just know that they can 
be affected by um, mold toxins. And we know that mycotoxins have to go through all these pathways. Heavy metals are shown to also um, plug up these pathways. So when you think about um, you know, estrogen and mycotoxins and heavy metals and biotoxins, also fungal infections or parasitic infections, those are affecting all of these pathways that basically result in good bioflow. So, um, so I just want to, you know, why I'm just, I know I'm sharing a lot of information and I go, I've gone into this in more depth in some detoxification classes, but the, the short version is, you know, to have a resilient body right now, especially as a female patient with Lyme, we should all be really working on our bioflow. Yeah. And, and it's a vicious cycle because yeah. then the more estrogen that is building up and causing the sluggishness and the stasis and the gallbladder and the bile acids and the bile salts, then the more you're not able to clear your estrogens and eliminate them. So then they get recirculated and it's like this vicious cycle with the bile. Um, Something I was also reading about recently was that the bile, once you get to the stone formation point, and you may know about this too, Christine, is that they're very porous. And so they become again, another vicious cycle, they become a site for parasites, uh-huh. bacteria, even yeah. some live bacteria to overgrow. And then that just creates another um, focal point of infection in your body potentially. And of yeah. course, we know people with SIBO with small intestinal bowel overgrowth, sometimes the reason for imbalances in the gut flora can be a lack of bile acids and bile salts being secreted properly into the intestine, which is that phase three elimination point. So yeah, no, all great points. And I, when I think about how to support um, bile flow, a lot of the times in my patients um, with ART, we use a suppository called um, Nexus Biopure makes it, and it's artemisinin and garlic. And we actually use it as a way to clean up fungal or parasitic overgrowth um, in the biliary tract and the gallbladder. I absolutely see that. And I think that's such a um, great point and often overlooked. And so, um, so yeah, when we think about treatment strategies, we think about bitter herbs. So, you know, bitter greens, um, you know, uh, there's a lot of great herbal formulas. We use, um, you know, a lot of Chris Shades products. He has Quicksilver, Bitter X and Bitter 9 I like. Um, BioPure just came out with a, a liposomal herbal uh, tincture that not only has bitters, but it has a couple antiviral herbs as well. Viruses also have to be excreted through the biliary right. system. So obviously in this time, and then, um, you know, the other things I think about um, are, I use sometimes Tudka or taurine or um, phosphate. Yeah, I use a ton of glycine and taurine for that phase two conjugation point is Mm -hmm. really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, and then um, binders, of course. So binders are a staple of our protocol. Binders are going to be things like chlorella, uh, zeolite, charcoal, um, modified citrus pectin. Um, There's certain um, specialized silicas that we use in binders. Um, You take them on an empty stomach so that they're sitting in your intestines when before you eat food. And then when you're eating food and stimulating bile excretion in the intestinal tract, the binders are there to um, basically adsorb or bind um, to whatever's getting excreted 
out of the bile because what Ginger already alluded to is that part of this natural cycle is what's called the enterohepatic recirculation. So we naturally reabsorb bile acids and with that we can reabsorb our toxicants if we're not having healthy elimination or our systems overloaded. So binders essentially help to bind to these things and assure that they get out through the stool. And so um, I, I find that binders are really important when we think about the liver gallbladder and then we of course think of all of our naturopathic treatments, right? So castor oil packs and coffee enemas. Um, we're doing a liver flush, um, you know, kind of adventure um, for um, our patients in our community. You want to do a liver flush in a guided way, but I've seen that will really help. That helps to really um, stimulate bile flow. Um, so we get a lot of that, um, you know, sluggish and stagnant bile out of the body. And so, so bile, um, I think is, you know, um, foundational to health. It's um, definitely more more important now than ever to keep our bile flowing to maintain um, a resilient and healthy immune system. And, you know, it's finally feels like spring in Seattle. I don't know how it is. Yeah, it is here too. It's a little yeah. windy today, but it's, yeah. It's, so we, we have that are out, the forsythia are out and yeah. So yeah. just the natural rhythm of, you know, looking at the cycles of seasons, there's um, differently, different seasons have a different theme in our health and spring and fall tend to be the best seasons to really cleanse the liver. And so this is a really um, great time to even take some of uh, maybe your maintenance strategies up a notch and do a little bit more intensive protocol to um, support your body. So um, did I miss anything, Ginger, about bio? No, I think there's been comments that people are having trouble keeping up, taking notes. So. Oh, oh, I have yeah, a, I I to keep the chat closed so I don't get too distracted. So I haven't seen <laughs> yeah, yes, a replay sent out to everybody. So don't worry about that. No, but that's great. And I love, yes, the way you frame this whole thing in terms of resilience and um, I agree wholeheartedly. Springtime is liver gallbladder time. It's a great time to do cleanses and castor oil packs and um, all the sort of basic naturopathic uh, type of support. And then in addition, these more targeted therapies like, um, you know, the herbals and I don't think you mentioned um, Chanka Piedra, which is um, yeah, I love yeah, um, and Colonsonia is another really excellent um, is another really excellent botanical. You yeah. know, one thing I I didn't know this, and um, maybe I, when I was um, reviewing things before this, I um, did you know melatonin has a relationship with um, bile? Um, I did, I did just see that. Yeah, I mean. As you, all roads lead to melatonin. I know. I was just going to say, as we've been talking so much about melatonin and, and Christine turned me on to these um, melatonin suppositories. Again, we're all about suppositories today. Um, yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean, melatonin at higher doses is a, a really, really potent anti-inflammatory, antioxidant. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that, you know, something antioxidant that would have effects across so many different tissues mm -hmm. in the body, that it could have a benefit in bile acid production as well. So yeah, yeah, this is I, um, my note here said that melatonin may also inhibit gallstone, gallstone formation, and it increases the conversion of cholesterol into bile salts. So my comment about how estrogen, you know, increases that cholesterol in the bile, yeah. making it more um, sluggish and stagnant. So this could help be a preventative. And um, and just a quick aside, because I know so many women, unfortunately, have had their gallbladders removed, right? And so there's an additional burden. And 
a, a number of my Lyme patients have had their gallbladder out. Um, you know, the not to uh, bash on traditional medicine, but when a, an organ isn't functioning optimally and then it's removed, then you've got an even bigger burden on the body. So um, sometimes in some women, um, there'll be a little outpouching of one of the bile ducts that will sort of act like a secondary gallbladder. Um, again, the body's wisdom, you know, sometimes it'll try to make a little bit of reservoir for those bile acids and bile salts so that when you do eat a fatty meal, it's secreted. Um, but for some women that doesn't happen. And so you can have really long-term effects, pain and, um, you know, improper digestion, especially of fats, um, once you've had your gallbladder removed. So I, I would imagine, Christine, um, you would say the same thing, that if that's the case, you just need to be extra diligent about your gallbladder and liver health because you're at a little bit of a greater disadvantage if, um, if the gallbladder has been removed. Wow. Um, you know, my, um, my cadaver in um, Gross Lab had their gallbladder removed and I saw that, um, you know, basically secondary um, reservoir that was- Oh, interesting. Form. So yeah. I, that, that was imprinted in me very, you know, early in that you, you of course make bile, you of course still use bile. It's just that, um, you know, the, the body tends to, and some people create its own gallbladder. And just because your gallbladder is um, gone doesn't mean that the sluggish bile isn't gone, right? And so right. still making sure to treat that. And then if you've had your gallbladder removed, I do neurotherapy in my office and that's how scars can affect our fascia and our lymphatic system that can also hold emotional trauma. And so um, if you are having a lot of, um, you know, um, challenges still post uh, gallbladder removal, I would also look at the scars and have somebody either treat the scars with neural therapy. If you don't have access to that. Um, I do acupuncture and, and the yeah. same way, you know, around yeah. scars and, mm -hmm. and there's a whole gallbladder channel, of course, and GB40 is a big, big point at which I'm sure you've injected. I'm sure you've <laughs> seen scars over it. And I've certainly done acupuncture, which again is going to interface with the connective tissue and all of that too. So, mm -hmm. um, and somebody asked what um, specific bile salts. I, I really like actually a product called GB41 Source. I use that all the time. Yeah. yeah from yeah. Physica. It tests um, really well. I use that with a lot of my patients. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's an excellent, excellent product, and it's got um, not the bile acids, but the bile salts, and then it's also got the cofactors, the glycine and the taurine, and it's got the chunk of piedra and a couple of the other botanicals. So it's a really good, um, it's a really good product. And you, I can say though that I've had a couple of women, um, if they, uh, if they have a really sluggish gallbladder or without a gallbladder, to start really slow and. You know, I'm sure all the people on here with complex chronic disease know that they that sometimes you have to be careful because your system is a little extra sensitive. So I just wouldn't go taking a lot of bile um, salts without ramping up slowly. Uh -huh, uh -huh. So should we transition to our other favorite? <laughs> we could obviously spend an hour on bile and gallbladder. Yeah. yeah. And it's a good lead in because scars can affect our fascia and our interstitium and our lymphatic system. But yeah, uh, but yeah let Ginger take it away with Yeah, the well, I mean, no, you you I love this conversational aspect of things. So um and I don't like to hear the sound of my own voice for too long in a row, but um, <laughs> but I have gotten used to it after many years of teaching. But anyway, so yes, um, a shared passion of both of ours is the lymphatic system. 
Um, one of the most amazing things about the lymphatic system, in my opinion, is just how it penetrates into like every part of our body. It's yeah. just this delicate, sensitive system that is basically the whole waste carry system, you know, waste removal system of the body. So again, with eliminations um, being so important in the work we do, if you've got sluggish lymph, then you're not only um, not removing the waste products from your system that we're all exposed to, as Christine said at the top of the hour, you know, we live in this toxic environment. We've all got to be paying attention to our lymph. Like at all times, sadly. Mm -hmm. um, but then if you have sluggish lymph or lymphedema um, or you know, sluggish lymph nodes, then it makes you more susceptible to infection and to problems with the immune system because it's the lymphatic system that carries all of our immune cells around. So it carries the lymphocytes and the natural killer cells and the dendritic cells and the immunoglobulins and so when they're picked up in these delicate vessels and then they're focused into the lymph nodes, which are basically like these little sponges along the, the delicate um, lymphatic channels. And that's really where specific immunity happens, where antibodies are made. And some of the things that um, I've been doing a lot more reading about recently um, in preparation for our course on women in Lyme is the differences between men and women's immune systems. And even though women have a greater resistance to many infections, um, we do have the tendency, and I don't want to stereotype us here, but to overreact. <laughs> so um, we can, it's long been known that women have much higher rates of autoimmune disease um, and that this can be a problem, um, you know, with things like lupus and rheumatoid and Sjogren's. And certainly the way, again, we're looking at Lyme disease. Is it you have a chronic infection or do you just have a chronic um, overreaction or hyperreaction of your immune system. So you're getting like either autoimmune reactions where your um, body is reacting to benign substances or you're reacting to things that are self that you shouldn't be. Um, so there's a really, really complex set of things that can occur with the immune system of women. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. Like we may have lower rates of infection, um, but then the the way the immune system reacts might tend to, you know, cause a little bit more long-term problems if we're not able to clear those infections. And of course, part of this is um, because of the fact that we have children, you know, that we can get pregnant. So our immune systems are a little bit more immediate. So we have more of um, humoral um, immediate reactions. And then um, part of it is also that we have two X chromosomes, and this is where the genetic piece really comes in, which is that a lot of um, these very small pieces of DNA called microRNAs are found on that X chromosome. And when the um, human is developing, when all of us, men and women are developing in utero, there's a, a dampening down effect, there's a closing down effect of that second X chromosome, but it doesn't occur um, across the board. And so for some women, um, there's certain genes that are more active. And some of those genes, actually a lot of those genes are the ones that are 
associated with immune function, the genes that regulate our immune response. So we have more amounts of microRNA and we have a better um, immediate defense system. Um, so this may mean that we have a little bit more um, active lymphatics and the lymphatics might be more important in terms of women's health. Um, I also wrote an article a few years ago, which we can put in the um, links to the replay um, for NDNR about women's health and lymph and how the hormonal effects of um, our bodies can be shifted along with lymphatics and it's possible that the lymph carries more um, progesterone than estrogen. So again, with the estrogen dominance piece, it might be more important for women to have their lymphatics moving and healthy. And of course, the lymphatics dump tremendous amounts of um, this, the lymphatics are in the, the breast tissue. And mm -hmm. so breast health, as we were talking about um, a few days ago, Christine, is obviously such a huge part of women's health. It's connected to the whole uh, rest of our bodies. We don't look at the breast tissue in isolation from the rest of the body. And one of the major ways we want to support healthy breast tissue is to support the lymphatic system. And, and also, you know, back to the gallbladder and the liver, there's always lymph around all of our organs as well. And so we want to support the lymph for, for overall organ health. Um, so how do you know if your lymphatic system is sluggish, right? Because there's no blood test for lymphatics, uh, you know, function. Um, I, I've used regulation thermography as well, which is, um, a different type of thermogram that doesn't just take a picture and show hot and cold spots in the body, but you have pre and post temperature measurements over 120 points on the body. A lot of those points, 32, I believe on the breasts, and it will show the lymphatic regulation. Um, Christine, you mentioned ART. I'm sure you do your testing uh -huh. for various lymph points. There's, you know, lymph alarm points on the body. Um, those of you that get chronic sore throats or um, you know chronic swelling in the armpits and the axilla or the groin, those are where there's a lot of lymph node um, aggregates. And then you know chronic immune function. If you've got low white cells, low lymphocytes, of course we see that a lot with our chronic Lyme patients. I'm sure um, you can be sure that um, the lymphatic system is being uh, taxed, overtaxed, if you've got these chronic immune modulated systems. So, so I'm sure that you do too, Christine, like almost in every single treatment plan, there's some aspect of addressing the lymphatic health. Um, and that includes the glymphatics, which penetrate into the brain. Um, so for women who have a lot of brain fog um, associated with their Lyme and um, you know, even with this um, COVID virus, a few people that I've talked to that have been sick, that a couple of them haven't had tests that I'm pretty confident are struggling with the virus. Um, they were finding that the fatigue was very profound and that also some of them had brain fog as well. So anytime there's any kind of biotoxin from a virus or mold or Lyme or Babesia, Bartonella, any of that, you want to be sure that the brain is draining. And so there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of reason when we're talking about supporting our immune systems and resilience to have the lymphatic system be part of what we need to address. Um, there's also some really interesting research about um, rebounding and jumping on a mini trampoline, how that can reduce your risk for breast cancer. And I'm sure that's because of 
uh, the, the improvement of the lymphatic flow and any exercise, even you know, brisk walking um, is gonna be beneficial for moving the lymph. And um, again, our favorite castor oil pack uh, is castor oil has a specific affinity for the lymphatic channels as well. So that can be another excellent um, support along with dry skin brushing. And then there's a, a ton of lymphatic uh, supportive botanicals. Yeah. And some of the ones that I use a lot are um, poke oil, um, which I've had women um, apply to the breasts and do self-breast massage with phytolaca and poke oil. Um, I use an herbal combination, um, again, from um, Physica Energetics called Trifolo Intrinsic, which has cleavers and red clover and some poke and um, dandelion, which you also mentioned is great for the gallbladder. Um, that is a wonderful combination of herbs that will really help drain the lymph of the breast and the whole upper lymphatic channels. Um, and then there's lots and lots of other botanicals, you know, Essiac formula, and I'm sure um, I've used a lot of the um, Stefania and Red Root from BioPure as well. Um, so there's tons of ways to support the lymph, but it's really crucial, I think, for women um, in terms of, you know, just the epidemiological evidence of toxicity and breast cancer rates. Um, I know I live on the Long Island Sound and the South Shore of Connecticut and the North Shore of Long Island is actually the highest rates of breast cancer in the country. I know. So um, protect your breasts. <laughs> um, and part of the way you do that is, is with lymph. Uh, lymphatic support, and it's also going to protect your immune system at the same time. Um, somebody's asking about sipping hot water all day. Yeah, um, lemon water. I use um, a lot of electrolytes and micro minerals. Um, again, just for pretty much every cell in the body. So basic elimination support and drainage support. Um, those things can be critical too. Did I miss any? Did I mention dry skin brushing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. So those are just some really easy, simple things you can do um, just to get your lymph flow started. There's tons of YouTube videos about how to how to add, do a good lymphatic massage. And of course, there's people that are trained in MLD, which is manual lymphatic drainage, and there's various machines. Um, there's other technologies that will also move the lymphatics. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, exercise is an really great way to do that. So, okay. yeah. So what else did I miss yeah. about lymph? No, awesome, Ginger. That's awesome. And I think just to reiterate scars, wherever you have scars in your body that can affect the lymphatic system. Um, I'm a big, you know, one of the things that most of our patients come to us that's often overlooked still is any um, thing in their mouth that could be affecting their overall systemic health. And we see, um, you know, the mouth can drain, the lymphatics can drain into the breast and that can affect our breast health. So always doing a, um, a checklist, you know, do you have amalgams, root canals, wisdom tooth uh, cavitations, of course, work with a biological dentist and a either naturopathic doctor or functional medicine doctor who do this all day long because you you really want to have that level of support. Um, so those are a couple of things to think about. And you've already mentioned um, 
you know, different herbs, which are awesome. And then even castor oil over um, putting castor oil on the breasts at night. I've seen that really mm. help with um, women who have um, either before, like during PMS, they have either swelling of the breasts or right. um, there could be these benign cysts called fibroadenomas that can form and that can be a, um, a sign of lymphatic stagnation. Um, so castor oil is really inexpensive and easy to find. So you can just put your whole body and castor oil, right? So um, get in that, your IR sauna too. Don't forget yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah. So sauna therapy, of course, yeah, can be sauna therapy is excellent um, to move the lymph as well. Yeah. So yeah. I think internal um, herbs and then also, um, you know, the topicals um, from the flow cream to um, castor oil to BioPure also has that deodorant stick. I don't know if you've ever used that, but I have patients do that at night where they put it on their neck their clavicle, their underarms, even their breasts, and then the bikini line, because there's a group of lymph nodes there, yeah. and then the bottom of their feet, that can be helpful. But I, I think, um, no and the jade to... rollers, there's those jade yeah. rollers too. Oh, no, I have, um, I'm at my desk. Oh, here. you have your jade roller. <laughs> I have my washa, yeah, <laughs> I, at night. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, no, I, yeah, I, the thing about the lymphatics, just to, you know, we're saying all these home treatments, which is great. Um, they're very superficial right under the skin. So you don't want to press too hard. And if you've ever had uh, an MLD session from a trained practitioner, you'll, you'll know that the, the touch is the pressure is very light because you don't want to squash them. So that's why dry skin brushing is very, very light strokes and everything is toward the heart to get the lymphatic flow to dump properly into the central channels, the cisterna chile and the rest. There's traditional like mind abdominal massage if anyone's ever gotten that before they focus on the abdomen and the lymph in the abdomen. And again, uh, castor oil packs and coffee enemas are another way to move that lymph um, in the abdomen as well. Um, yeah. yeah, and you brought up something which I meant to say earlier, um, which I just think is so important and something I try to teach my patients on a daily basis about this idea of um, working on the abdomen first before doing other areas because there can be a pooling. And when, when we work with patients, um, and I'm sure you're, you're aware of this as well, it's we wanna be sure that the elimination routes are open and flowing so the patient is not constipated and they can sweat and they can um, you know, urinate healthily and their lungs are working well in order to go deeper into some of the deeper detox and even antimicrobial therapies, et cetera. Um, because if you just try to detox someone and push those liver pathways, um, you know, it's not artificially per se, but a little bit more aggressively, then you can really get a wicked, wicked aggravation. And I've just seen people try stuff on their own. You know, of course it's springtime. It's great. Let's do a detox and take a bunch of strong liver herbs or whatnot, um, or even antiparasiticals, those kinds of things. If your elimination pathways aren't open, if your gallbladder isn't functioning well, if you're not digesting, if your lymphatics aren't flowing, and if you're not peeing poop pooping, sweating, um, and emotionally releasing healthily, um, you can really, really get a tremendous um, aggravation. Um, so mm -hmm. it's not only that we um, apply these effective natural therapies, it's the order that we do them in that is really so important. Um, because for people that are extra sensitive, you can get 
you know, throw yourself into quite a tailspin and make five steps backward um, before you can, you know, get a little further along in the healing process. So, you know, we've just highlighted the role of the lymph system. We talked about bile. Those systems are completely interconnected too. You want both of those systems you know, functioning and flowing for more resilience in your body. And then, you know, we wanted to have a conversation and just kind of looking at time, we can maybe tie these two ideas of how, what we're all experiencing right now is affecting all of us Mm -hmm. and the stress of that. And, you know, really not only acknowledging the stress and having a dialogue about that, but also solutions um, as well, because I think, um, you know, this is a time to feel, we have to feel what's going on, but this is a time to also um, redirect these feelings into actions that can help us feel empowered and really see the gifts and the silver lining, um, you know, where we can. I, th- I think I'm, I'm an optimist, Absolutely. so I try to live my life that way, um, yeah. even though it's hard, you know, um, but I, I think we want to, Ginger and I wanted to have a conversation around that. And so, um, I guess I'll just maybe briefly start. And then I know Ginger, you wanted to talk a little bit too about the vagus nerve and all of that. So when I'm, when we tap into what's going on and, you know, Seattle, I think this started about March 17th is when the lockdown happened. So here we are April 10th. So we've been in this for, you know, three weeks now. Right. And so um, there's been definitely layers of emotion, but one of the things um, that we're still, I think all of us are trying to navigate through is this really collective fear, you know, that is permeating our news, our interactions with people, um, mm-hmm. and how do we how do we deal with that, right? And so um, when I was thinking about what I just wanted to say, one of the early, um, I remember reading the book, Molecules of Emotion. I don't know if you read that book. Oh, Ginger yeah. Yeah, yeah I forgot about that book. Yeah. yeah. I remember when I was doing my exploration when I was younger, that was one of the books that really imprinted me and Candace Perch, she's passed away, um, but she, she basically discovered the opiate receptor. And so mm-hmm. she really was the mother of psychoneuroimmunology. So this whole um, idea, which, um, you know, wasn't um, really, it, it wasn't, there wasn't a language around this until really she came out with this. And so it's this whole idea how our endocrine system really is tied into our nervous system and our immune system. And her book was called Molecules of Emotion. And so how we, um, you know, really can feel empowered. So I was looking at her website and she still has a website up, even though she passed away and she talked about um, psychosomatic wellness. So we know that we can, um, our thoughts can lead us um, into all of these. I mean, and the research is there. I mean, we know how fear can absolutely impact all systems in the body. And there was even, um, I was reading a paper how stress can actually produce the same response as infection as far as the cytokine um, profile. So we we know that this is a powerful part of how we're wired, right? And so, I, but I love the reframe, like the psychosomatic wellness. So if we know that our, our, our feelings and our thoughts can affect us negatively, they can, of course, affect us in this, you know, more powerful way. And, um, she she wrote um, since emotions run every system in the body don't underestimate their power to treat and heal so just bringing this back to you know I I of course want to understand the facts I want to try to digest them in my own way we probably all have different opinions of what's going on and how everyone's handling this but there's a common 
theme of fear um, and lack of control and uncertainty that we're all affected by. So how do we acknowledge that, but choose a different way of interacting with that? Mm -hmm. And so I would love to hear, you know, Ginger and I can dialogue about solutions and things that we're sharing with patients, but we also want to hear from you how we're all navigating this. And I'm, um, I'm, I love Lynn McTaggart's work as well. And I'm, I interviewed her for the Body Electric Summit and for people who are not familiar with her work, she wrote a book called The Field and also The Power of Eight. And I, um, I signed up for her intention masterclass and we're in the part where we're actually um, in groups of eight now where um, I have a group that I meet. A number too. I love eight. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she talks about, and she's, she's an investigative journalist. So she's not like this esoteric person. She's really through her own research really found there's a formula that works and how we can collectively um, come together to really put our intention into what we want to create. And I think that's just a really powerful concept to mm -hmm. um, explore. However, this resonates with you. We're just sharing information, but um, I'm really trying to work with not staying in the fear. And of course, with you know, my mind goes to all the places because, you know, I'm a doctor, I'm a business owner, I'm a mom, I'm a, you know, yeah. I'm all of these roles in every role I've had to rethink and reinvent, right? You know, through this yeah. like, very- what I'm hearing from women too is like, they feel like they have five jobs now. Now they're in the house, which traditionally a lot of women do the lion's share of the domestic organization and stuff like that. And so now the kids are home and they're having to do- you know, online classrooms and online pediatrician appointments and still doing whatever work they may do to get paid for. <laughs> so it's like a really, really incredible time. And I, I, I agree with you so much that it's all about learning how to navigate the, the waves that we're all collectively riding. And some of us are a lot more privilege than others to be able to socially distance without, you know, having to go to work, um, being forced to, to, or losing a job and not having an income right now, which, you know, as I'm sure everyone knows, the unemployment claims in the last three weeks have surpassed any time in history. So in the last three weeks, 16 million people have implied for unemployment. And that is more than the two-year run in 2008 during the recession. So yeah, we are facing this societal level change. And I'm that's part of what we're doing here is to co-create some new possibilities, some embracing some new ways of being. Um, and it all starts with holding our center, right? And finding our place of balance in the imbalance. And it's not that we're going to feel good all the time or never have a fearful thought or never have an anxious moment or never have a moment of overwhelm, but just to really recognize that and live in an embodied way. And then, you know, start to see the possibilities and the openings for the creation of what can come, because this is showing a breakdown in our system. I mean, there's no question, right? The medical system, we've been talking about this for years. We're naturopathic doctors. We know how broken the system is. Um, so that's definitely one of the things that we want to be all about is riding the wave of empowering people on how to take care of themselves in the wake of this. Um, and we're having to figure that out for ourselves at the same time. Um, I've been doing, I mean, I've been doing meditation for many, many years, but I've also heard from a lot of patients, 
who, you know, we all dabble in different things and different things work for us, whatever spiritual practice you have, but people are really getting more in tune with their spiritual practices, which I think is phenomenal. Um, you know, sometimes it does take a crisis, right, for us to come back to those things that are really rock solid important in the core of us. Uh -huh. um, and it's really important for us to find ways to come, you know, to do this kind of community level grounding. Uh -huh. um, so I've been reaching out to my communities more. We have a immediate network in my neighborhood that actually my husband organized. He's a, he's an organizer. So that's comes to him by nature. Um, I mean, literally he's an organizer. He does a lot of political organization. So he was like right on it with the signal group and, you know, connecting people on a micro local level. And then thank good we, goodness, we can do things like this um, where we can share our experience and expertise and in, in ways of, of, of grounding. Um, I know that um, you have some close friends that are tapping people and I agree. I love that approach. Um, there's specific um, tapping videos. I know you like um, Julie Schiffman. She's been great I, since you turned me on to her. I've watched some of her videos. Um, there's also um, the guy in Connecticut. I can't remember his name, but um, Nick. Nick, Nick Orkner. Yeah. Orkner. Yeah, he has a lot of free, um, free resources for tapping. There's tapping around specific you know, issues, whether it's the financial aspect, the, um, the virus, the health issues, et cetera. Um, and then of course, any kind of practice that's going to put you into a deep place of rest and rejuvenation is super important. Even if it's just a few seconds a day, um, you know, to have that ability for your nervous system to calm down, to, to, deregulate a little bit. And like you said earlier, um, the vagus nerve has a lot to do with that. And one of the, the cool things about the vagus nerve, for those of you that are unfamiliar with the vagus nerve, it's, it's, um, it wanders all over the body. The root, um, vagus is, you know, vagabond. Um, so it's the wandering nerve and it connects up to many, many organs in the body, but it's central, it's central, um, function is for is is to give information back to the brain from the body so even if your brain is revved up and anxious and you're thinking all these thoughts over and over again um, even if you can just lay down and get yourself into a relaxation space use a visualization um, use your breath which is an amazing way to um, increase your vagal tone and help your body's nervous system calm down. And there are various um, breath work practices. Um, one of the simplest things is to just count for five in and count for five out, you know, deep breath practices, alternate nostril breathing, all of those things are going to calm the, the, the nervous system and improve your vagal tone. And your brain will get the message from your body. So it's kind of like fake it till you make it. Yeah. If you just get yourself to lay still and breathe, your brain is going to get the signal Hey, I'm I'm okay. I'm safe, and I can I can breathe through this a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, now, if you've got somebody that has had a lot of trauma, that can be sometimes a little bit more difficult to get into that space. And this is where the tapping can really be beneficial. Or 
um, EMDR, emotional freedom techniques, all of those um, therapies are excellent ways to manage um, the mental emotional aspect of things as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. No, well, all good stuff, Ginger. And I, um, one maybe tangible thing to think about too is, um, and again, I'm just sharing from my own experience is con- um, creating like a consistent um, practice. So whatever that is going to be for you. So like um, for me, it's the morning, right? So I, you know, wake up before my daughter wakes up, you know, I have a couple things that I do um, in routine. So I have my you know, my cards, my gratitude journal, you know, kind of looking at the day, you know, having my visualization. I, I love Tony Robbins. I've been a fan of his work and he has this video that's free on YouTube called Priming. And that's really um, getting in, in this heart-centered space and then thinking of the three things you're grateful for and then envisioning the three things that you would like to see have happen and feel them as if they do. That's a lot of my patients um, follow Joe Dispenza and that's a, a big part of his work is that your brain when you, um, you know, essentially when you create these visualizations and you employ emotion as if they've, um, you're actually having the experience. So you're teaching yourself how to have that experience. Yeah. Yeah. That your body doesn't know the difference, right? So you're creating this kind of new physiology based on what you're able to, you know, create in your mind. So, and his research is wild. I mean, he is really doing the work that I, I really have seen some of my patients, shift very deeply with um, not only doing our work, but his work. So there's definitely something to that. And then just my only like in closing kind of comment and, you know, Lynn McTaggart talks about this too, is um, this whole idea of altruism. So when we're all suffering and we're all, you know, really, um, you know, just, we can get hyper-focused on ourselves right now, right? You know, you know, whether it's your business or your life or whatever, everything seems to fall apart. Um, how can you have acts of altruism in your day, however small or big you're able to do? Because that actually, um, in Lynn's work, she shows that um, intending for someone else is mm-hmm. more powerful than focusing on yourself. So I just think that's a, beautiful universal law um, to just embody. And, you know, again, I'm just speaking from my experience. So we live in Seattle, so we have this neighborhood. I I have businesses that, you know, have of course been affected by this, but I'm thinking, okay, how do I, um, you know, how do I support my local businesses right now? Because Mm -hmm. that is really important right now, because I want to um, I want that them to be there when life opens up again, or yeah. how do yeah. you, you know, reach out to whoever, you know, just, they, they can be very simple acts of kindness. Um, but I, I think that that feels better <laughs> than the alternative right now. And I think I just encourage everyone to find ways to connect, um, with your community and your family and, uh, figure out how you can give your own unique, um, gifts, um, right now. Absolutely. That's a beautiful, beautiful message, Christine, for sure. (laughs) Thank you. Well, we're already at 11. Can you believe it, Ginger? Um, Two o'clock your time. And so um, I'm happy to take a few questions. If, um, if you have a few minutes, Ginger, we can just. Yeah, I do. I do. Um, I think Um, there's a Q and A. Yeah. Let's use the Q and A, you know, for, um, you know, for, um, and thank you guys for all the comments. And I see people that I know, and I'm so grateful that you um, showed up. Me too. Um, it's nice. Your your lovely comments. It's really um, 
you know, it's, it's Ginger and I are just talking to each other. It's so nice to see you guys and hear yeah. from you. I know it's like, I see some patients, I see some doctors, I see some, you know, people that I don't know, lots of people that I don't know. So yeah. it's great to, it's great to get to know some of the people in your community too, Christine. So thank you for that. Of course, of course. So um, let's just maybe, so Jennifer Sharp, would you mind sharing some of the supplement names when you send the replay? Yeah, Darcy's really wonderful at that. So Darcy, who um, is another, another wonderful, powerful woman helping us behind the scenes, um, but she will help us with that. Um, Janie um, says, um, Rick who for tapping, it's Nick Ortner that he has a whole like tapping world. Yeah, world. So <laughs> just Google him. Um, how do you use BioPure Zeobind? So we use ART with binders a lot. Zeobind, for whatever reasons, seems to be testing the most strongly for people with COVID right now. And so Zeobind is a very special form of zeolite powder that we, you know, you always want to be careful of the source. Um, and so binders are always taken away from food. Um, and depending on, you know, your individuality, I often have patients do one teaspoon twice a day. But if you're going through detox protocols, if you're moving a lot of bile, if you're having a Herxheimer reaction, you, we may increase that. Or if you're constipated from the one teaspoon twice a day, you might want to back down and then also, um, you know, increase magnesium or some other things to help um, with that. You know, um, we want to, of course, have healthy elimination and not have that um, effect, um, you know, make you constipated, essentially. Um, Agatha says, is rebounding a good way to move the lymph? I think we've already commented. Yeah, definitely. Yep, yep. Um, Lorraine says, any thoughts about Qigong? I don't practice Qigong myself. I've always been super intrigued. Um, I know Dr. Klinghart has recommended that to patients, but I, I'm, I think any way that you can connect with your own energy system and really interact with that, I'm all for. So you just find what works for you. Do you um, use Qigong, Ginger? I don't use Qigong, um, but I have a patient, a longtime patient who's a Qigong uh, practitioner and teacher, and it's the only thing that she does um, exercise-wise, and it's just made a huge difference um, in her overall health, and she's um, a thyroid cancer survivor, has had a ton of problems with um, fatigue and poor exercise tolerance, so, you know, those old Chinese men and women in the parks in the morning, like that can really, really move your energy. So Qigong is excellent. It's so gentle. So um, I did some of it in school. Um, our teacher, Dr. Heiner Fruhoff taught us to do some Qigong um, exercises, but um, yeah, yeah, I have patients yeah. who see him. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we would do the full moon qigong where you would stir the stars of the universe with your behind. So everybody would be like moving and doing these like rotations or like, okay, getting to know you at naturopathic school, you know. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh gosh. Um, so Dr. Driscoll is talking about red clover and it's Yeah, I saw that. So I any comments about that. I don't have any issues. I mean, a lot of the herbs, when I use them, it's not in these high doses, first of all. So I'm usually not worried about estrogenic stimulation. And red clover, um, it does have, you know, almost all plants have some of their own phytoestrogens. Um, and red clover is actually pretty safe in terms of estrogen stimulation. Um, I'm not so concerned about that, especially in the doses that I use. 
And there's this whole concept of, you know, modulating estrogen. So if a phytoestrogen binds to the estrogen receptor and it prevents the own body's estrogen from binding to that receptor, it can actually lower total estrogenic activity. Um, I do a lot of um, Dutch tests in my practice. So if I've got a beat on where someone's estrogen metabolism is, um, especially with a breast cancer survivor or somebody who's concerned about their breast health, um, if I know how they're metabolizing their estrogens and they're not at risk, I'm, I'm even less concerned about using some of the phytoestrogens. So, um, you know, it's hard to find a plant that doesn't have some growth hormone in it for its own growth. So, um, you know, look at the research, but um, I'm not I'm not concerned with, especially with that trifolo intrinsic that I mentioned. It's it's only one of um, I think eight or so herbs, um, and those are not used in very high dosage. They're almost like drainage remedies. They're so um, you know formulated to be more gentle on the body. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. Um. Okay, and then. Let's see, um, maybe one or two more questions. Um, so Barbara's um, talking about uh, my Lyme, Lyme patients who are mothers often have Lyme infected children. Would you consider mm-hmm. doing a Zoom on the topic of supporting children during this time? You know, I see a handful of children in my practice and then we have two other doctors at Sophia who primarily see children. Um, and I, I think it's absolutely an important time to support kiddos um, right now. So. Um, that's a great suggestion. You know, yeah. I am, um, I, Ginger, I had um, Eileen McCusick on my Body Electric Summit, and she has a whole um, world called biofield field tuning, and she uses yeah. tuning forks basically to see where there's um, breaks in the biofield, yeah. and then also how to create harmony and um, you know, basically create resonant frequency to realign your body. Um, so sound is absolutely, I love part of one of the things I love to do is, um, go to sound baths. And so, yeah, yeah. I use tuning forks in my practice too. And tell people about that. Yeah. So, um, uh, Dr. Montague Smith is a, uh, osteopath, uh, based in London. He's become a good friend too. And I've done some trainings with him and also have met and been trained a little bit by his teacher, Peter Gold, who is also a resident in UK. Um, So yeah, just like you're saying, finding areas of dissonance over the body and the biofield, you know, all of our organs and our systems resonate at certain sound frequencies as well. And I've noticed um, uh, doing a um, acupuncture treatment and then doing sound work with the forks while the person is on the table with the needles in, I'm seeing some really, really improved, amazing results with that. Sign me up. I would love to. (laughs) Yeah. You got to work with what you got, you know? So I'm like, okay, I can't do injections in Connecticut as a naturopath. So I'm going to learn this sound work. And that's really been, it's a, it's a, and it's so in line with my ideals of clearing and elimination and, you know, it, really helps move, as Jeff would say, the schmutz out of the body. So um, it's really great. It's really great um, to use all of these sound, light, water, um, you know, all of these basic elements. And this ties in a little bit to my love of shamanic work as well. You know, the elements are the ultimate cleansers and clearers of things. So um, that's another thing that I've personally been doing during this crisis is um, some practices of letting go and 
um, letting go of the vision of what I thought, you know, life was going to look like in spring of 2020 and embracing what is actually happening. Um, so yeah, that resilience and that um, being open to change and being flexible, I think are the most important things that we can help ourselves and help teach you all how to, how to stay healthy and even improve. So, yeah. Well, no, I think that's a wonderful closing remark. Yeah. And we're going to send this replay out um, very soon. We just appreciate everybody who joined us live and Ginger and I are going to be doing more of this. So we are still working on our women in Lyme class and we're going to announce that and share that when the time feels right. But we feel like we just want to connect with everyone and share information uh, during this time. And please, we welcome feedback. I know that I've been um, you know, I, I do a lot of webinars and I do a lot of summits and all of these things, but this is um, just a new collaboration with Ginger and we're really open to feedback or suggestions on topics. And we just, um, yeah, just want to connect with everyone right now. Awesome. Thank you so much. From <laughs> the West you. Coast to the East Coast. <laughs> no, we got it covered. So <laughs> I'll be talking to you soon, Ginger. And thank you, everyone. Yeah. And again, we will Great. be sharing this recording very soon. So thank and you. En- and enjoy your weekend. I hope everybody has a weekend. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> enjoy the springtime wherever you may be. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Bye everyone. Bye.